0: Hello, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. In his desperate efforts to cling to power, Benjamin Netanyahu is now pushing for a change in Israel's electoral system. He wants Israelis to vote directly for the prime minister of their choice, rather than having uh, to come up with sufficient Knesset support to form a government, which he has failed to do after four elections in two years. The idea is perfectly legitimate, although Israel tried it in the past and eventually dropped it and went back to the current system. What Netanyahu is suggesting means changing the rules mid-game. With the deadline for his fourth attempt to form a government just one week away, Netanyahu has decided that rather than allowing his opponents to take a crack at forming a government as existing law dictates, He would change the law and appeal directly to the people. His idea doesn't stand uh, much of a chance, but it reflects the intensity of the crisis rocking Israeli politics. Israel prides itself on being the only true democracy in the Middle East, but that boast is looking increasingly hollow. The state's law enforcement authorities and media are under persistent siege by Netanyahu and his allies. The Prime Minister himself has been charged with bribery for allegedly granting regulatory benefits to a media tycoon in return for positive coverage of himself and his family. But Netanyahu personally still enjoys significant popularity compared to other potential candidates. Is Israel on an unavoidable path to a fifth election? Can the bloc of Netanyahu's opponents, who span the political spectrum from the political right of Naftali Bennett all the way to the left of Arab lawmaker Mansour Abbas, form a government without Netanyahu? After 12 consecutive years of political magic, does Netanyahu have any rabbits left to pull out of his, of, of his frayed sleeve. Our guest today is a leading Israeli political correspondent. Tal Schneider knows the ins and outs of Israeli and American politics. She was the Ma'ariv newspaper's Washington correspondent. She studied journalism and photojournalism in Washington and is considered a digital journalism pioneer. Schneider wrote an influential political blog for years she was the diplomatic political correspondent for the Financial Daily Globes and currently works for the Times of Israel news site and presents the primetime evening news on the independent Democrat TV channel. Tal Schneider will be with us here after this short break.
1: If you are listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East, and if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform on Israel with Ben Caspit, and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti.
0: I am uh, pleased to say hello and shalom to uh, my colleague and friend, Tal Schneider. Shalom, Tal. Hi, Ben. Hi. So let's uh, dive into business, and i first like to start with your uh, experience of U.S. politics. How similar are the anti-democratic trends we saw in the waning days of the Trump uh, presidency, uh, including the storming of Capitol Hill, And the developments in Israel in what seems to be the sunset of the Netanyahu era?
2: Um, I don't think it's really the same. I believe that in Israel the democracy is very um, fragile, but yet violence is not an option, not if it is led by the government. I mean, we do see a lot of violence here in the region, but we usually don't see violence led by the leader itself. So, I mean, it it feels as if uh, what we've seen on on the Capitol on uh, January 6th will not repeat here in the Israeli Knesset. Um, I don't see that.
0: Why? Because we see the the pro-Netanyahu demonstrations very small, uh, dozens of people and not thousands, because here and there I see a lot of... uh, violence, a lot of, uh, you know, the slogans, they're calling the, the leftists, uh, the, the anti-Netanyahu uh, protest, uh, protesters, they are, are being called traitors. Don't you fear that uh, something can ignite uh, uh, the Netanyahu supporters and send them to the Knesset? You don't see it coming?
2: Well, I definitely think that if we will have a a left and center, maybe a unity government that will will comprise also the left and the center, I definitely think we will see lots of demonstrations, more demonstrations coming from the right wing. You are right to say the right wing has been very quiet uh, as per demonstration in recent years. They they've been violent um, using um, terms, violent terms. They've been violent by protesting in front of people who are, um, you know, families of war heroes in front of their houses, but they never managed to get much crowds and much followers. But, you know, storming the Knesset seems to me out of the question, I think the Israeli guard and the Israeli, um, you know, the way the police is handling things in in the area of, of the institution is not the same. But definitely we will see lots of demonstrations against the government for anything that will, you know, will happen. And you will see the Likud sending out lots of um, lots of demonstration demonstrators out to the streets everywhere in Israel.
0: Um, yes, I think we, we're starting to see it now. Uh, by the way, you, you reminded me uh, after you mentioned just now that the uh, cursing and shouting at the uh, war heroes families, what whatever President Trump did, uh, how he mocked uh, late Senator John McCain. So we see resemblance, but the bottom line, uh, you don't think that the, 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 the storming of the capital can be repeated here in Israel. And I think I, I agree with you. I want to go to mm-hmm. politics. Netanyahu admitted last week that he does not have uh, the required majority for a government and he's trying to organize, organize now direct elections to stay in power. What are, are the prospects of such an idea and how uh, legitimate is being uh, perceived in the political arena? We've seen that it has quite a bit of public support.
2: Well, I think uh, this is not an option, and it will not happen. Uh, Netanyahu is trying to change Israel's basic laws and Israel, you know, semi-constitution for any matter that will assist him personally. But it doesn't give the Israeli public a straight answer. What will change if you will change the system? So he's trying to change the system, but every time he is not on the winning side, because as we know, for four four cycles, he's not able to win. And and I don't think that changing the system will grant him more power because it doesn't uh, suggest to have a different um, compromise of the Israeli Knesset, the 24th Knesset. The only thing that's on the table is another kind of personal vote that will just waste more money and time for the Israeli people. And I don't see any any majority for that. If he had a majority to change those basic laws, then he would have a government by now. Once he doesn't have a government, that's he cannot. He can also change those basic laws. It's the same. So this is just a waste of time. It's a spin. It was mentioned by some of his loyalist um, ministers, Ariadere. But not, you know, I was asking Ariadari all of those questions and he had no answers for them. So it's just, um, it was just a way to pass another week with the man that where he knows he doesn't have um, a majority to to form a government.
0: I think my impression is a a bit different because I see Netanyahu trying to go ahead with this idea and uh, uh, pressing forward because... He thinks that if it will be a personal election neck to neck between him and Yair Lapid, the gap will be a lot more, more significant than the eternal tie between the the 61 anti-Netanyahu and 59 pro-Netanyahu, and maybe he's also counting on the Arab voters not to uh, uh, not to come to vote for Yair Lapid or. Uh, or a different uh, nomine- uh, candidate from, from the left, and may- maybe, you know, Netanyahu is desperate now, maybe he's taking it more seriously than many analysts, including yourself.
2: But you know, Ben, if you open up an election, let's say it's a direct vote and anyone can run, so who's, what's stopping Bennett and the Gidon Saar to run as candidate for prime minister, and then the right right-wing vote will split, and who will be the winner in that option? I mean, This is just crazy stuff. And there, I mean, Netanyahu is trying to change the system instead of uh, being able to to rule in this country. And it doesn't have a majority to change the system. In order to change the system, you need power. It doesn't have the power. And from what I'm hearing, this option is not uh, on the table at the moment.
0: Okay, let's move on uh, maybe to the other side. Uh, And I want to ask you, Tal Schneider, can the so-called block of change, form a sustainable, stable government? After all, it it includes complete opposites such as Bennett, Gidon Saar, and Avigdor Lieberman on the right, and uh, ideologues like Merav Mikhaeli and Itza on the left.
2: So right now we are in those very, um, you know, subtle and and, uh, gentle days of the last days of Netanyahu's mandate. And anything can happen in this week before Netanyahu finish up his mandate on May, I think, May 3rd or May 4th. And in those days, Netanyahu will, you know, try to pull all of this trick and, 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 and tricks or other, uh, you know, options he has. And um, if you're talking about the change government, it seems very unlikely. And people on the change side, this is Yair Lapid, Merav Mikhail, and it's they and so on. They are, they are worried that Bennett is actually using them in order to get his price high and get something better from the Likud. So if you talk to people from those parties, uh, NKs, they will tell you that they are, you know, they they can't even trust their own uh, potential prime minister Naftali Bennett. They think that this is only a maneuvering. And Netanyahu can maybe also Try to maneuver his own party while putting someone, I call it a puppet government, or uh, some people call it the Medvedev Putin option, Mm -hmm. where Netanyahu will try to put uh, a person on the front from his loyalists and in that way form some sort of a government with Gideon Saar from New Hope. So Bennett may be just trying to get uh, you know his price up by working and negotiating with the other side, and we will end up next week with this Medvedev Putin uh, situation, which I'm not sure it will happen, but you know it's on the table.
0: Yes, and the name that is being mentioned in this regard is Yariv Levin, a very close Netanyahu loyalist. He's right now he's the speaker of the Knesset, and Yariv Levin, according to his to his uh, immediate uh, uh, followers, uh, uh, saying in this this weekend, he is not going to uh, even to consider this option. By the way, I think the Gidon Sari is saying uh, what we call in closed circuits uh, uh, conversations that if it will be someone he, he counts on, like maybe Nir Barkat, Yuval Steinitz, or uh, even Israel Katz, he can consider joining such a government. Uh, if Netanyahu is not the prime minister, so this can happen, but I think if it will happen it will happen in uh, maybe the last or last two days of the Netanyahu mandate and we are not there yet. I want to ask you tal after two stormy years without a functioning government, without a budget, constant bitter fighting and a prime minister under criminal indictment, do you believe israel is still a healthy democracy in 2021?
2: Well, it's definitely not a healthy democracy at the moment. And uh, specifically with the budget, which is uh, a major issue. I think uh, no, no democracy can function without a budget. It is, um, you know, we are in a constitutional crisis like we have never known. And I don't see the pathway out because even if Netanyahu is, for, is forming some sort of a, of a puppet government, or even if the change block is forming a different government I do believe this will not stick for a long time. And after maybe a short while of a year, maybe a little bit less, it might dissolve. And it's not, it's another sign of dysfunction in a system. I don't believe in change of rules. Uh, Maybe the country needs a reform in in government reform, but definitely not a whole change of, of the method. And people are suggesting a change of the method. But it will, have to be, it will have to be examined very closely that, you know, in a way that we don't enter into another spiral situation where we are out of control.
0: Do you think uh, the rift between Netanyahu's supporters and his opponents, which is also evident on the media map, can be healed once he leaves office? Is Bibism like Trumpism, here to stay? Or can we begin a healing process once he's gone?
2: Uh, it's here to stay as long as Netanyahu is behind the scene, pulling, you know, all of the strings. If he is, um, you know, not really stepping down and making his own time to deal with his criminal charges, then it's here to stay. You know, it's here to stay, to my opinion, until the, the trial will, will be done, either by acquittal or by um, uh, conviction. Either side, um, you know, it. it it may take, uh, you know, we don't know, four to five years until the end of the appeal. So as long as the trial is going on, we are with the Bibison, and we are here with this, you know, local trumpism that we have here. Uh, only after Netanyahu's days, you know, when in days will be final, and I mean after the final appeal. Only then, maybe we will be able to see something else. But you know, I'm not really sure.
0: <laughs> so, after saying uh, all that, will you support a plea bargain that maybe will not send Netanyahu to jail, but end this affair and send him away of the political system?
2: I definitely don't support a plea bargain at the moment. I think the charges are so severe, and this needs to go through the system all the way to the end. Netanyahu has claimed that he is innocent. And people on the other side, um, you know, obviously they charged him, uh, the, the attorney general and the, and the Israel's um, prosecution. They charged him. They did not, if they think that he had some slight of getting out of it, in a the sense, they would not put the charge on. So if they decide to go with that, we should see the full trial all the way to the end. And um, you know, what's interesting to me is, I think, on the first month of the trial. The Alovich family, the husband and the wife, uh, Shaul and Iris, I think um, they, they took a huge blow because the evidence against him seems to be really bad and um, they will need to cross-examine the witness, Ilan Yeshua. But having said that, things that Ilan Yeshua proved with recordings and, and written uh, testimonies were, bad, were so bad for them uh, on many aspects, that I would expect this couple to consider a plea bargain, and um, if and the they victim will, of
0: this plea bargain can be Netanyahu himself.
2: Exactly. If they will, you know, if they are getting good advice at the moment, they should definitely step back immediately and start. I mean, Shaul is almost eighty years old. Does he want to spend ten years in jail, or does he want to be a person out of jail, maybe so a year or so? Have- if they will. If they we, have, will do, we have
0: your, your double meaning to the, to the slogan, the verdict is not out yet.
2: Yeah, definitely. And if they will do something like that, the plea bargain may include a testimony from them because the Attorney General may demand that they will go on the stand and the public will hear what this couple has been doing. And if that will happen, you know, I would be very, very worried uh, from, you know, because the
0: instead side of Netanyahu, of... most of our listeners are Americans. So let's just say that the, the Alovich family, the husband and the wife, were the, the owners of the Bezek conglomerate and they are uh, charged with bribery uh, charges uh, with Netanyahu. They, uh, they supposedly got from Netanyahu the regulatory benefits by billions and uh, in in return they gave him allegedly gave him to control a major media uh, news outlet named Walla and this is the actually the 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 heart or the core of the uh, uh, file 4000 against Netanyahu now let's talk a a minute about uh, the United States a place you know very well To what extent Mm -hmm. is the alienation between the Biden administration and the Netanyahu regime real? Uh, If he remains in power, uh, could Netanyahu find his way to Biden's heart and influence the nuclear agreement with Iran?
2: Well, I think the Biden administration is sitting on, on, on the bench, as you may call it, or you know, in waiting, because they have an election or an, an ongoing election in Israel, they have an uh, ongoing uh, or maybe election in the Palestinian Authority. And they also have election in Iran in June, I think, or May. So they are sitting and they're obviously they're not waiting. They're not wasting any time on the enrichment front. But other than that, they try to be careful from the Israeli-Palestinian politics as long as we don't know if there are election in the Palestinian Authority. And what is the outcome of the fourth election in Israel? So we we saw a really cool approach from Biden, not talking to Netanyahu for a whole month and then talking to him briefly uh, after a month. And and since then we don't see any connection, expect maybe on intelligence and military side, but definitely not administration to administration. Biden definitely have a more acute and, and urgent problems, China, you know is a big component of that obviously russia and iran so he puts it puts netanyahu on hold you know why engage with him if netanyahu may not be the prime minister pretty soon or if netanyahu is the interim prime minister until the fifth election um, yes i think you i
0: think uh, i agree with this let's talk about the... Uh actually another question about the administration does administration want to see Netanyahu replaced in your opinion since the only realistic replacement is named Naftali Bennett who is more of a right-wing uh, ideologue uh, than Netanyahu how concerned is the biden administration in your opinion about such a development
2: well i think they may be they may be concerned specifically on the annexation issue Having said that, uh, Bennett yesterday or on Friday actually uh, said, he, he said it on his Facebook page, we're not going to do any annexation or two-state solution whatsoever if we're going to have this change government. And we do know that the Americans are following very, very closely. So they do understand that if Bennett is the leader for the next two years, then he will be... Um, how do you say, attached to a lefty and liberals and centrist politician, and he will not be able to do whatever he wants. So I don't think they have any reservation against Bennett as a person. I do think that they're very worried from the rise of the Kehanists, Itamar Ben-Gvir and Avi Maoz, which are probably more compared to the American alt-right, even the violent alt-right, Um, And this is uh, an issue of concern, and if that would be included, if if they would be included in a Netanyahu coalition, I I have a feeling that this would be, uh, you know, maybe a point of tension between the sides, but, you know, um, probably not a public tension, maybe like behind the scene concern.
0: Yes, this is a good and important point. Um,
2: I just want to remind the listeners that um, Benvir's partner, Michael Benari, a former MK, is still on the terror list of the State Department in the United States. I forgot. As, you know, it. last time I've checked.
1: I just. Yes, forgot he was.
2: It. <laughs> uh, he was banned. He was banned from entry to the United States when he was an MK, when he was a member of the Knesset in 2012, and since then, I don't think they took him off the terror list. Uh,
0: It is is worth checking, and I will do, and uh, I believe you will do as well, you will check it as well. Is the ongoing distancing of the Democratic Party from a more conservative and right-wing Israel at all reversible?
2: It is reversible, and even Bennett, which is uh, maybe the next Prime Minister of Israel, is fully aware of that, and he, as a diaspora minister and as education minister, He was still in a party that was um, controlled by some rabbis, uh, ultra-orthodox rabbi from the settlers movement. And he was well well aware of his inability to discuss freely with the reform movement uh, and the democratic sides, which is, you know, um, you may say attached or or, uh, arranged together with the reform movement he was well aware of that and he did not try to solve that as he wasn't prime minister but if he becomes a prime minister and he is no longer obliged by those rabbis the settler rabbis because his new party is not obliged to them i do believe that he is uh, fully aware to the consequences of uh, this rift and what can happen so you know
0: Yes, uh, I I, like you, I think when you become a prime minister, you uh, like, I think Ariel Sharon uh, once said, things you see from here, you didn't see from there. So you become a totally different uh, person, more uh, responsible, etc. And and
2: and definitely if we talk about his uh, partner, Yair Lapid, who has really warm relationship with the Democratic Party and with the reform movement. So it's a different game.
0: Final question, Tal Schneider, about uh, freedom of speech and the situation of the media, uh, the free media in Israel. You are now anchoring uh, the daily news uh, program in uh, what we call Democrat TV. It's a totally independent uh, media outlet, a, a brand new one, with a lot of hopes. While we're seeing... Maybe I can use the word uh, annexation of many other media uh, organizations and outlets by Netanyahu and and his government. What do you think about our future here in Israel as a democratic state and as independent journalists?
2: Uh, Thank you, first of all, uh, indeed, Democrat TV is a free and not attached uh, media uh, set up on uh, Facebook and uh, by the D'Arkenu organization, and it has a lot of uh, followers. I think um, BJ is evolving, and I'm very worried about the corruption charges against the prime minister and even, you know, even places that did not, are not part of the charges against Netanyahu with respect to corruptions seems to be taken uh, by him in any, in, in, you know, in some means. And it is, it is worrisome, um, but I do think that the Israeli uh, media scene is going through, um, uh, you know, how would you say that, um, um, a process, maybe more of a tantalizing process I'm I'm more worried for the freedom of speech for the demonstrations. I actually, I have to tell you because I think we've been through a year of the pandemic. And we've seen the government actually putting forward bills to ban to outlaw demonstrations. And this is uh, the demonstrations were held in a very limited way for two weeks. And I think that was a devastating step. It's much more dangerous to me when the government is Outlawing demonstration than um, the media and the reporters' uh, freedom of speech. Because we have our freedom of speech and we will always have it. But people that's want, that want to protest on the streets, they are, sometimes they don't have the strength of the media and they just want to cry out, you know? And that was to me one of the worst um, weeks in this uh, year of uh, pandemic. It's uh, very undemocratic. And, and you know, I, I was watching the government from apart saying to myself, you know, how can this happen in Israel?
0: And it happened. Tal Schneider, it, it was uh, fascinating. I thank you very much uh, for joining us here in, uh, on Israel in uh, al Thank you. to thank, thank you
2: so much for having me, Ben. It's a Thanks. privilege to be here. Bye. We'll go uh,
0: bye-bye on a short break and be right here back with some final thoughts. Uh, wait for us.
1: I'm Andrew Parasoliti, President of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something, and you will never be bored, because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti.
0: Thank you for uh, staying with us. Our guest today, uh, Tal Schneider from uh, the Times of Israel, does not see a lot of similarity between the the pictures uh, that we saw in Capitol Hill, the storming of uh, Capitol Hill by uh, President Trump's supporters, and what is going on right now in Israel. The Israeli political chaos is uh, wild, but it lacks, uh, in, in uh, Tal Schneider's opinion, the mass the critical mass and the energy, and maybe also the the level of violence that we saw in Capitol Hill, these uh, these events cannot uh, happen in Israel, in her opinion. When asked about the option that Netanyahu is trying to to uh, to invent himself for himself right now, changing the system, uh, to direct election, uh, changing the rules of the game in mid-game. Uh, Schneider thinks it's not really on the table, it's illogical, it cannot happen. Politically, it's impossible to change the rules of the game in mid-game in Israel, and uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu will not be able to to collect enough votes in the Knesset. He needs 61 in order to do it. Schneider was uh, Ma'ariv's Washington D.C. bureau chief for years, And she covered all the the last uh, election campaigns in the United States. And she don't think that uh, we're going to see a huge clash between uh, the Biden administration and Netanyahu. Supposedly, if Netanyahu is going to stay in power, she says that uh, the Biden approach is cool. He's on the bench. Uh, He has a lot more acute problems uh, than uh, Israel and the Palestinians. He he looks uh, for China, for Russia, uh, all these issues before engaging with Netanyahu. And he still doesn't know if Netanyahu is here to stay. So why engage with this prime minister that can cause only uh, trouble to the American president as we saw with with, uh, President Obama right now? When I asked her about uh, the the relationship, the fragile rena- relationship between uh, the more uh, conservative and right wing Israel and the Democratic Party, she said that, that this uh, that, that this uh, crisis in the in the in the relationship is reversible, even if Naftali Bennett, who is a, a right wing hawk is going to be the next Prime Minister of Israel. She said that, be- that Bennett knows very well uh, the, the Jews in the United States. He was Minister of the of Diaspora Jews. He was Minister of Education. He will be able, when he comes into the Prime Minister's chambers, he will not be obliged anymore with the rabbis that uh, that controlled him in the uh, the previous uh, stage when he was in the Mafdaz. So he will be a Prime Minister and will he will be able to engage to the reform Judaism and to the Democratic Party, he knows very well the importance of these issues, and she is not uh, pessimistic uh, on this. And I am glad. I hope uh, you find it, we found this uh, today's podcast interesting, and I hope to find you here in the next, the same place, the same time on Monday on Israel in Almoni am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Take care.